there! It's Friday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever. The only movie podcast to offer objective and hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Conrad. And with me as always, take him away. He doesn't mind, but you better promise him that we'll be back in prime. Uh, it's Anthony James. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening, good night. Oh, that was good. Little drop, little hint of what we might be watching there in the, although it's probably in the title so it's kind of irrelevant Anthony how the, how the devil are you doing very very well uh, I'm actually loving the fact that I watched Primer this week because I've been told to watch it for so many years and then I started YouTube and then everyone's kept telling me to watch it after that as well uh, glad that I've watched it so tune in for our thoughts later on <laughs> yeah I, it's um I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say too much about it now because obviously we got to get them sweet sweet views but uh it's uh <laughs> It was an interesting movie to watch, and I'm really looking forward to um, really looking forward to discussing it with you. And I'm looking forward, on behalf of all of our listeners, to hearing about it. Um, we so like without further ado, we've got a, a time walk back to 2004 with uh, Shane Cariff's mm-hmm. Primer to look forward to in this episode. We've got some stories about Batman saying no to oral sex, uh, the ongoing controversy around the casting in the in the Heights broadway adaption and of course back to the feature so without further ado let's talk about some gosh darn movies let's do it movies we're here to talk about them let's start with what all movies really can be boiled down to in the present day and that's of course superhero movies um (laughs) batman has been outed this week as a selfish lover um, I don't, have you have you heard anything anything about this, Anthony? My brother-in-law sent me a picture. Um, oh, and I, I it was a meme basically, but it was a picture of the thing with other people added on uh, to be as 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 you know you know how I'm speaking about this sort of thing, but to be <laughs> as as withdrawn as possible. Having said that, having said that, I had never heard of it before he sent me this. Yeah, and I, and I was like, I was like, hang on, what? What is this here? Because I, I had sent him a picture. Actually, I sent him a pretty funny picture. I sent him a picture of Mario from Super Mario Odyssey, and it was like a speed run to get his shirt off the quickest, and it was called the Nipple Percent Speed Run. So I sent him that picture, and then he sent me back a picture of Batman and Catwoman, and jo- the Joker, and uh, Thanos in the background. It was crazy. I don't know what's going on. Tell me, Conrad, okay. what's going on? So, so uh, there's a Harley Quinn animated show, which, to be honest, I've only seen maybe five or six episodes of it's good fun it's very like kind of tongue-in-cheek a lot more adult than than you know your other your other kind of batman related stuff because um well as justin halpin that one of the showrunners on it uh revealed in an interview that he did with variety uh last week they um he was basically talking about how how much he enjoys making a show where the villains are the central characters because they have so much more freedom to explore the characters in fun ways uh because dc are less protective over them and uh they gave an example when when prompted to expand on this uh and and he said and i quote um when when they were talking about uh one scene uh, one upcoming scene in in uh, the Harley Quinn animated show they wanted to show Batman performing oral sex on Catwoman and <laughs> and uh, DC responded with oh well this is Justin Halpin's uh, uh depiction of events and DC was like you can't do that you absolutely cannot do that they're like heroes don't do that so we said are you saying heroes are just selfish lovers and they were like no it's that we sell consumer toys for heroes it's hard to sell a toy of Batman uh it's hard to sell a toy if batman is also going down on someone <laughs> so 
that's that's DC's line on this. And um, as so it, even when even when asked to like, obviously the the initial reactionary take is. Well, they're talking about sexual acts of any kind. Yeah. But even in their response, they mentioned the going down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very much the the uh, the supposedly uh, well, I guess it's reading between the lines to some extent. But I mean, there have been things in Batman comics, very explicit uh, sexual scenes between Batman and Catwoman specifically. Um, so a lot of people, as the internet is wont to do, have read between the lines here and assume that what this means is that the sort of emasculating, I put that in air quotes, emasculating act of uh, performing oral sex on, uh, on, a, on a woman is uh, beneath the caped crusader. Uh, and uh, obviously Twitter got a hold of this and had a field day yeah. with it. And there was a lot of discussions about whether oral sex can really be considered heroic or not. And everyone from former Batman, like Val Kilmer and Zack Snyder um, got involved and it was all good fun. Um, but hopefully DC, they've rightfully had their pants pulled down on this. Uh, hopefully not for anyone to perform oral sex on them because they don't deserve it. Um, but uh, it's, yeah. it's a real big mess. It's really weird. Like I, I didn't actually, like I knew a little bit, obviously, but I didn't know that in their re- in their response they mentioned the explicit act itself. Yeah. So it, it, there's no hiding from it. It is no. literally just them saying this particular thing. He doesn't do that, which obviously yeah. has so much weight behind that statement. Yeah, Batman is is a good, clean superhero. He has sex only in the missionary position for <laughs> as long as is necessary, and and so there'll be strange. no more. It's funny speaking about speaking about Bo Burnham a few weeks ago, like you know how he's like made he did all that those jokes about like corporations like you know putting their politics out just to sell more things. Yeah. And it's interesting that this DC comics have actually done the opposite of what some yeah. reactionaries in the world <laughs> yeah. would have you believe yeah. that uh It would have been world, it would have yeah. been like it would have been so easy to just be like, oh, I don't care, like whatever, like you know, like put this in <laughs> like you know, this is a this is an easy win for DC PR to do this, you know, as we've talked about before. It's kind of like performative wokeness to, to be like, yeah, whatever, Batman, he goes down on Catwoman all the time. He's a new age lover, I don't know. But instead they're like, no! <laughs> like, this yeah. is the line, all right? Superman, maybe. Green Lantern, definitely. But not Batman, okay? He doesn't do that. Yeah, and I just want to, I just want to like sort of point out to the audience, both Conrad and I despise the term wokeness. He yeah. <laughs> he, he, he just used it in reference to uh, douchebag companies. Uh, yes. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. Um, I, I think it is... No, I think I think it actually speaks to the people who are in charge of that division of DC or DC in general yeah. as being completely unconnected from the world and probably time that they move on. Yes, I should say. <laughs> if, so. if that's if that's if that's a, a little snapshot of their view of the world, I think they're they're living in the wrong decade. To be honest, yes, absolutely. Uh, let's let's free Batman from the shackles of his yeah, kind of yeah. like his his conservative upbringing and let him have a sexual awakening. That's what I'm saying. Um, okay, so so moving on from that though, that that was you know, it was bad, but it was relatively. It was all in good fun from what I saw of it or what I experienced of it um, to something that's a little bit more uh, rooted in um, in a serious problem. And one I'm not going to speak too much on because, well, it'll become clear um, why in in a second. Um, but In the Heights, uh, the new uh, John M. Chu movie uh, adapted from the Broadway musical is like got a little bit of flack when trailers of it kind of dropped. I think it was like late 2019 when trailers for that yeah. first came out because i think it was supposed to be a 20, 20 oh really? I, well i think it was supposed to be a 2020 release originally and then obviously okay. covid happened but it got um mm-hmm. it got a bit of flack for 
the trailer failing to show off any um, kind of Afro Latinx leading characters, of which there are some uh, in in the in the Broadway musical. And um, after the release of the movie in the US a week ago, um, a, a a person by the name of Felice Leon on uh, a website called The Root wrote a really good editorial, basically calling into question why a lot of the characters from the Broadway musical who are um, Afro Latinx or, or like have have some kind of black heritage have been recast to be kind of lighter skinned um, Latin uh, or p- portrayed by lighter skinned Latin actors, and um, it's not something like I feel like when I was reading through this this week, I honestly felt like in the words of Bo Burnham as like a straight white guy, I should just shut the fuck up and let like yeah. and and like kind of point everyone um in the direction of people who have like more knowledge of this but i thought it was worth mentioning just to say look this discussion is out there and i think there it is worth um it's worth going and reading that editorial on the route by uh, felice leon because it's really good and, mm-hmm. and and just worth considering you know when you go and see that movie uh, uh, to his credit lin-manuel miranda has kind of apologized for it and kind of promised to do better but i don't know it goes back to what we were saying about DC to some extent as well like there's only uh, not to say he's done it before but there's only mm-hmm. so many times like big movies can fuck up something like this and then apologize and say oh we'll do better in future before it's like well maybe just start doing better the first time yeah like to be honest with you um I'm surprised by that so are you saying that the some actors are being cast like the, the sort of the black actors who were in the play, like the characters that were black are now being cast as just like Latin characters. Yeah. Or, is so, that what's happening? Yeah. So I think I, I don't know the Broadway musical that well, which is again, is one of the reasons why I don't want to, don't want to weigh too much in on this and just want to kind of talk about it more as a highlighting the, the discourse. But, um, but yeah, I think there's one character in particular, I believe called Benny, who was uh, a mixed race character. I believe they were possibly Puerto Rican, uh, like black Chinese and maybe maybe some other some other kind of heritage in there as well, and they were just recast to be a kind of lighter skinned uh, Latino character, which a lot of uh, you know darker skinned uh, Latinx people were like, well, this isn't very representative of us, and I think it speaks to a more. I think I'm, wider... I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking at the actor who's playing Benny, and he looks like a black man to me so maybe it's that he's black man not a latin black man is that maybe the no issue? it's definitely like that that some characters who were who were like darker skinned would were played by light skin so maybe i've got the character name okay wrong yeah there. okay maybe yeah, yeah. but i encourage yeah, people yeah. to go and read um felice leon's editorial because it explains it far better than i could and um okay. and just you know be aware i guess as well of the the damage that could be done by this this kind of like these kind of performative includes uh, like steps of inclusivity that I really don't like in a lot of, in a lot of, uh, a lot of mainstream media that we still seem to be having a problem with. Um, and- oh yeah. You mean the narrative against it sort of thing? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, 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 if there wasn't the outrage against it, then potentially we could, it, w- it wouldn't be an issue anymore. Yeah. Like if, if, if we just had the representation 10 years ago, 20 years ago, then we would have already seen the changes in the industry where it wouldn't be so obvious, you yeah. know. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's still. I mean, like John M. Chu like gave an interview before Lin Manuel Miranda kind of got out and made an like unreserved apology where he said like, oh, we just got the best actors for the roles and tried to keep them uh, if, if, as as actors from like uh, Latino communities, which is like 
it's just that kind of like painting with a broad brush that I think pisses a lot of people off for it. It's like, no, you're, but it's, this yeah. is your chance to represent very specific subsets of these cultures and you're exposing your lack of... That you didn't think of it. Yeah, yeah, your lack of like attentiveness to this. You're just like, oh, all Latin, Latinx people are the same, so it doesn't really matter like what kind of like what part of this like what subset of this culture they're from um which is pissed a lot i think think it also i think it also speaks to the idea that people don't realize that the whole point of it being like systemic you know i I say i knew i know we said we wouldn't talk about it but the fact the fact that it's 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 systemic doesn't mean that you know you're doing it yeah like like the director being like yeah but i didn't purposefully like not cast black actors it's like Hang on, hang on, hang on. That's not the issue here. The yeah. issue is that you're part of the system, and just for whatever reason that happened, you didn't work to make it not happen. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's the problem with a lot of stuff like this is that people um, respond to a criticism like this, which seems very valid to me, by assuming that people are accusing them of doing it maliciously and become defensive, and then no mm-hmm. conversation happens at all, and yeah. and these companies fall back on that Bo Burnham style performative wokeness, which I'm going to use again, where they're just like. JP Morgan is against racism in theory. It's like, uh, yeah, okay, that's if that's the level that we're resorting back to, then we really need to do better. But yes, so um, I won't spend too much longer on this except to say Felice Leon wrote a very good article, and, oh, editorial, excuse me. I encourage people to go and check that out uh, and engage in the discourse because it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, we're going to talk very briefly about a cut, some casting news for a movie that I don't actually think you've seen the rest of. So this might not excite you as much as it excites me. Um, <laughs> but uh, Hiroyuki Sanada, uh, star of Ringu and The Last Samurai, Samurai, and more recently Mortal Kombat and Army of the Dead in kind of Western films. He's been in loads of Japanese mm-hmm. stuff. Um, has joined. Excuse me. I ate a pizza later, and it's I've got I've got. It's not a burp. Just, you know, a little bit. I'm just, I'm just working through it, guys. Are you putting in clues for Primer? Because you just said you ate a pizza later. Oh, did I say later? There you go. Yeah, this is this is clues for Primer. Maybe. Maybe. Who can say? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was just me screwing up my words. But let's say it is. Um, Hiroyuki Sanada has uh, joined the cast of John Wick 4. John Wick the 4th. Uh, so he joins uh, Donnie Yen, uh, who... Donnie Yen's always good. Love a bit of Donnie Yen. I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be a bad guy because he's literally... It, you only cast Donnie Yen to do like awesome martial arts in a Western movie, apparently, these days. Uh, Rina Sawayama, who I don't know, and Bill Skarsgård, who is 100% also a bad guy as well because he plays the clown in it. Um, you don't you, <laughs> you don't get that guy unless unless you want him to be a villain. Um, I think he's going to be like sort of a Bond-style villain or something. Possibly, you know I mean? yeah. He, like, yeah, yeah. Rush Hour taught me that behind the, like, the good martial artist in any kind of action movie, there's always a rich white guy, and that's probably what Bill <laughs> yeah. Skarsgård is going to be playing. Um, and they are, they are joining uh, Keanu Reeves McShane, Lawrence Fishburne, and presumably Lance Reddick, although he hasn't actually been confirmed to to sign on. But I'm I'm really looking forward to John Wick Four. I've loved pretty much all of them. I hope they kind of have you have you seen any of them? Uh, I have not seen any of them, and you know why I haven't seen any of them? Because I haven't watched them. Yep, that's a good point. That, that, that would do it. That would certainly do it. You should watch them. I know you're you're like kind of less into action movies than I am, but they are like particularly the first two are really really good. I do intend to watch them. I do intend to watch them. I think every time I've went, I've went. Oh yeah, I'll watch John Wick. It's been like the first one hasn't been available on a streaming yeah. service. Only the third one has or whatever. And I so I don't want to watch the third one first. You yeah. know. Yeah, and the, the third one is the worst of the three as well. It, it like I'd say it's not giving too much away. So the third one kind of. I hope the f- I don't think it's going to because I think the series is only heading in one direction now. But the third one really kind of like 
broadens the scope and the mythology of this like guild of assassins into sort of crazy right. Bedouin desert assassin king stuff that doesn't really work for me. The first two are much more focused. I mean, the first one is literally some people kill his dog, steal his car. He unretires and and is like this kind of boogeyman who just literally just kills everyone in that movie. Um, <laughs> it's 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 a fantastic movie for that for that uh, for that simplicity alone. But we'll see. Hiroyuki Sonada. I'm always a fan of Hiroyuki Sonada. He he's got a great look. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a great actor. So we'll see. We'll see what comes of John Wick Four whenever that comes out. I want to say something about John Wick Four just before we Go move on because I know we are sort of wrapping this up here. Just because someone might be interested to hear this. I'm sure most of our listeners have seen at least one John Wick, possibly. I hope so. Because sure. I haven't seen any of them. For me, Keanu Reeves has done no acting for the last 20 years. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like... What was the last Keanu Reeves movie you saw, like live action? Definitely, uh, definitely, definitely just one of the Matrix films. Oh, you know? okay. Like... So it wasn't even like A Scanner Darkly or... Um... I, ha- I never watched A Scanner Darkly, no. I'm trying to think what else he's done in the last 10 years apart from John Wick. He has done various weird like, little For roles. me, in my mind... Like this has been a Keanu Reeves free world for okay. ten years. So you <laughs> and now once I watch John Wick, I'm like, oh no no, that's where he was. Like he actually has been around. Yeah. So you're gonna see him when you eventually get around to watching John Wick and be like, oh he's aged because the last time you <laughs> saw him was like in 2003. Where... Last time I saw him, he was in like Dracula or whatever. You know what was that one he was in? <laughs> Dracula, he stupid, yeah. Stupid English accent. Yep. Yeah. I watched that. Lo- I watched that this week. I might oh, mention God. it. I might mention it. Um... <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, maybe, maybe I'll I'll keep needling you, and maybe we'll get a we'll get a, a John Wick session uh, penciled in uh, to talk about on on this here podcast. Because yeah, what use is having a movie podcast if I can't force you to watch movies I like on it? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Speaking of which, uh, we're now going to speaking of, speaking of Wick. Speaking of Wick, <laughs> I, that was a, that would have been a great joke. What a great joke that would have been if I'd had the forethought to to nail it. But the road not taken. Um, Talking about movies that I can, the movies that I like that I can make you watch, uh, we're gonna take a natural segue into the exciting new game show feature. Uh, I gotta be honest, I don't really like the movie that we're gonna talk about this week, but it, so that wasn't a natural segue in the slightest, but we're gonna bet. First clue though. We're gonna gonna stick with it. Yeah, exactly. I don't like it. That's my first clue for you. Um, (laughs) it is, of course. Uh, the, your favourite of mine, the exciting new game show segment here on the best movie podcast ever. That's right, it's Back to the Feature! Hey, here we are. Oh, looking forward to it. I genuinely, I genuinely look forward to it. I'm glad, I do too. I, I, I'm <laughs> yeah, glad yeah. to, I'm, I feel we found a nice little, nice little rhythm with this. I'm, I've got to be honest with you, I'm worried about the movies coming up in the next month because I started this in the, the the prime of summer with like loads of easy movies like that I've definitely seen to pick from. And let me tell you, it is slim pickings coming up in the next couple of months. So I might have to well, invent why, a new game. You, you know, you know, you can do the same thing, but do like DVD or VHS releases of the same week. Yeah? I might do. I might just come up with a totally new thing. I'm, I've got some ideas percolating in the old okay. in the old noggin. Um, so for those of you who haven't listened before, this is the exciting game show feature where I have selected a film release from 25 years ago today. Anthony will hear five clues. Each clue that he hears will lower the score he gets, and each time he hears one, he will have an opportunity to guess what the movie is. Play along at home, of course. I love hearing what people get in terms of their scores. Hopefully someone out there is keeping track of Anthony's score, because I'm certainly not. Um, Anthony, are you ready for Back to the Feature? I'm ready. Okay, excellent. Clue the first. This remake of a 1960s comedy made 273 million dollary dues worldwide. 
Dollar dues. <laughs> Tobias! <laughs> 270. 273, to be precise. $273 million in 1996 yep. for a comedy. Big money. Big, big money. That's big money. Remake of a 60s show. 60s comedy. 60s like movie yeah, movie maybe, comedy? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. I do not know. Uh, so I know it can't be anything to do with Jim Carrey because he he did the... He just released the cable guy, so I don't think he would release <laughs> yeah. two at a double bill. One week cable guy, yeah. Next week, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ace Ventura. Well, it, it, there was two Sean Connery ones, but one was his voice, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, okay, um, okay. Comedies of that time. Are we talking maybe Chevy Chase. We're talking potentially Adam Sandler, but I don't think he did a remake that early. I don't even think he's ever done a remake, actually. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know if Adam Sandler has done a remake. Oh, he did uh, The Longest Yard. That's the only remake I know mm. of that he's done. Okay. Could be Chevy Chase. Could be... Um, could be uh, something to do with Randy Quaid. <laughs> a vacation movie. Uh, oh, okay, I'm not sure. I'm just going to guess... Um, Man of the House. I don't think I've ever even heard of that movie. Uh, is that a Chevy, Chevy Chase? Oh, okay. Chevy Chase and Jonathan Taylor Thomas. That's your wheelhouse, but I'm afraid to say it is not the Man of the House. Uh, a, a great shout, though. Lovely. There's to- another Man of the House with Tommy Lee Jones in it, which is not the same one. Okay. Well, there you go. That's that sounds mm. like the kind of thing Tommy Lee. I, I watched, uh, and we'll get to this a bit later. But I uh, I watched Batman Forever this week, so um, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm well versed in Tommy Lee Jones's '90s fare. Um, yeah. Right, second clue. Star of the original movie, Jerry Lewis, was set to appear in this movie in a cameo before pulling out over the amount of fart jokes in the script. <laughs> right. Okay. I'm gonna say there are. Uh, at least 100% more fart jokes in this one than there were in the original. Possibly 200 or 300% more. Yeah, so I'm now saying... Okay, Jerry Lewis. Um, I don't know Jerry Lewis as well. No, I don't um, know really. I know he was in King of Comedy. Uh, yes. In a, very, in a very different role. Okay, I don't believe that he was... Oh, I'm not even 100% sure Jerry Lewis is in this. The Apartment... That's a great shout. It, it, it's unfortunately it's not the apartment. That's Jack Lemon and yeah. I see. I knew it's around that, that era though, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. Billy Wilder comedy. That's a great movie. Uh, if you haven't seen the mm-hmm. apartment, you should go watch the apartment. It's great. Movie. I have seen it, but I don't know what Jerry Lewis looked like that age. <laughs> I don't believe Jerry Lewis is in it. It has been a while since I've seen the apartment. Um, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Clue the third. I think you're gonna get it <clears throat> on one of these next two ones. I'm gonna take a sip before I do. Okay. Okay, all right, okay. Wet the old whistle. Okay, clue the third. This movie was included in the initial American Film Institute's 500 film shortlist for the 100 funniest American movies ever made. And that was in the year 2000 that they put that together. (coughs) I'm going to be honest, I think they have egg on their faces with that. It was included in the 100 funniest film ever made in the year 2000. Uh, so it was included in the 500 film shortlist from which they selected the 100 funniest movies ever gotcha. made. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Didn't make the final 100, which we can all be grateful for. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. A remake. I'm struggling with this one, I'm honest with you. Uh, I'm going to have a guess... I don't know what's... Uh, I had one in my mind, I've forgotten it now. But uh, I, I don't know what... Are 
what remakes there are of co- of old comedies, to be honest. Um. Oh, I know it. Go on. I know it. Come on. Ha- Took me so long. The Nutty Professor. Just check with the computer. Ladies and gentlemen, Anthony has done it once again on the third clue. It is, of course, the Nutty Professor. Yeah, sorry, guys. The uh, the fart-heavy train wreck of a movie that somehow convinced everyone that Eddie Murphy was back. That's right. It's the Nutty Professor. I should have known after just the mention of Jerry Lewis. I should should have known. It was a brain block on my end. I apologize to everyone. I got it in the end. I think, I mean, I'll I'll give you the next two clues. I was almost certain you were going to get it on this next one, which would have been, uh, this was star Eddie Murphy's first big financial success since coming to America in 1988 and was heralded as a comeback for him. Um, yeah, I would, I would have got, oh, I got it anyway already, but I would have got, I would have got it on that. Eddie, the mention of Eddie Murphy yeah. would have put the the echelon of, like that idea of like Eddie Murphy films was completely closed off in my mind. Yeah. I don't know why, I don't know why, but it, it, it's I because you have uh, the trauma. It's because yeah. it's because you have taste, and uh, call, calling the like, professor a comedy is a stretch as far as I'm. <laughs> I'm can I can I have, can I ask you a question? Go on. Did, did you write something about the family, like the clumps in the I last d- yep. clue? Yep, final clue. I'll give it to you <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Murphy's performance as seven characters in this movie turned out to be so well received that a sequel focusing entirely on them, entirely on them, was immediately conceived. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That movie turned out to be Eddie Murphy. Like He had this sort of comeback, sort of runaway hit with a movie. I, I, I don't hate The Nutty Professor. It's okay. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember being like, okay, that's a bit kind of like, lowest common denominator kind of comedy it's but whatever no, it's no flubber let's be honest oh, not even in the same ballpark as part i think jerry lewis might have also been in the movie that flubber was based on <laughs> yeah, um possibly, I, I have yeah. a feeling he was um but uh but yeah then then eddie murphy you know big comeback eight years away from 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 a big hit uh coming to america and then this and then he just pissed it all up the wall with stuff like nutty professor to the clamps obviously he, he was in shrek but Dr. i have to do little Oh, Doctor Steele was awful as well. Everything that Eddie Murphy has made in like, with the exception of like Dream Girls and um, Dolomite is my name, in like the last thirty years has been trash. That's that's my that's my feeling on Eddie Murphy. There's not been much good. There's not been much good. Let's be honest. Well, that I mean, Anthony, how do you feel? That's a that's a really strong answer. That's a three pointer you've got yourself there. Was that a three pointer? Yeah, you got it on the third clue. Oh well, oh, uh, hold on. You would have got five for yeah, th- three pointer. You got it on the third clue, so you got three. Okay, pointer. awesome. Yeah, that, that's 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 better than last week, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm happy with that. To be honest with you, I should like as soon as you mentioned Jerry Lewis, I should have got it because I knew I knew that there was some big series that he was in or some big you know. So I I knew that he was not a professor. It just took my brain a while to remember. You know. Well, you did. You've done yourself uh, a great credit there. You've really you you've you know reminded everyone that you know about movies like The Apartment while also <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. While also getting good score um excellent well there you go that's back to the future and i hope uh, i hope uh, all of you playing along at home had a great time with it as well yeah we'll be back with that next week um now we're going to segue very naturally from that into a movie that is not really i guess these guys are a couple of nutty professors you could say in uh that of course we're talking about um the the actors in shane caruth as uh, uh shane caruth's directorial debut uh the movie primer from 2004 yeah. um anthony you i i won't say too much about it right this second i, I just want to lay the groundwork out a little bit here. you recommended this movie to us mm-hmm. in god's name why um, I have never seen this film before. Okay. Um, 
uh, we have a mutual friend who's a very uh, sort of very good physicist who always recommended me this because he knows I love time travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always meant to watch it. And it was always heralded as being like the most accurate time travel thing you could see. Mm-hmm. I think Shane Carruth actually may have a history of mathematics, I think, somewhere. Oh, surely. But, yeah. Um, so then once I started the channel um, and we was doing like dark stuff, everyone was asking, like a lot of people in the comments were asking me to, to cover Primer as well. Mm. And to be honest with you, I just couldn't, I just, I looked up, I looked every now and then I'd look for it on Amazon. It wasn't there. I never got to the point where I bought the DVD. And luckily this week, um, I actually was willing to pay for it. But when I went to Amazon, it was already on there. Yep. So that, that was uh, good timing, actually. But so, I don't know, I was just always intrigued by what people consider the most accurate time travel film of all time. Because yeah. Back to the Future is hard to beat, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty uh, sort of a hallmark it, of, of It's back. It's the accuracy. future considered accurate? Like, I don't, I, I, so, I mean... Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. I couldn't, my sarcasm detector was like faulty for a second there. I was like... Yeah, that feel that movie feels very neat for uh, <laughs> for, for to be accurately depicting time travel, and, and you know that's something um, you know we, we will eventually get to spoiler talk about this movie. It's just before warned. I'll, I'll give a I'll give a heads up when we get there. But um, without talking spoilers, I think something that stood out to this movie is uh, stood out to me with this movie is that it's it's very challenging, um, mm. quite hard to follow, yeah. and to me that feels like a very honest depiction of what a time travel movie actually is going to be because it gets very messy very quickly. Yeah, it it it, re- it really grew exponentially the confusion, didn't it? Yeah. Like it started off like they spent a lot of time on the first on the first loop. Now we're not going to get into full spoilers here. We are going to do that. And thanks to Stephen Crummy for pointing out we should uh, actually timestamp the spoilers and stuff for the people who don't want to know all the spoilery stuff. So we will we will be doing that this week. Yeah. Um having said that this is quite an old film, so we'll not spend too long on the non-spoiler stuff, but I think that it does ramp up in the confusion. I think I followed most of it, uh, but I definitely think if I'm going to make one of my sort of time travel an- analysis videos, I'm going to have to watch it at least one more time. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I think I followed it. I did enjoy it. I I think actually, g- cool way to explain this would be, take Tommy Wiseau, give him 50 more IQ points <laughs> and 6 million less dollars. Yeah. And this is what he makes. You know, It felt like a very like, one man vision yeah. you know well i mean talking about the budget i, I think it's only fair to say that th- this movie had a seven thousand dollar budget which you can tell yeah. like i think so the first thing i noticed in this movie is it doesn't look very good it's very grainy the sets are mm-hmm. the, the 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 uh the shooting locations are very boring i think those actually work into its favor stylistically but it's a bit of a kind of like oh wow okay this this feels like it was made by someone who doesn't really know how to make a movie. And a, a lot of the dialogue is hard to decipher. There's people talking over each other a lot, which yeah. makes it... You just kind of have to immerse yourself in it. And I, I say this not to dunk on the movie, because I, like, I did I did really enjoy it, actually. But you have to be willing to kind of let yourself just float away mm-hmm. in this sea of kind of mediocre filmmaking in order to really enjoy uh, the, the, the the good stuff that's there, which is, which is like the... Uh, the, the the storytelling and the, and the, like the clear passion for science and Shane Carruth by all accounts who who wrote and directed this and then didn't do anything else until uh, he made another movie called Upstream Color in 2013 which I've not seen um, but he's clearly not really a filmmaker by choice like he, he's yeah, uh, yeah. as you say more of a strikes me <clears throat> as more of like a mathematician or a scientist who had an idea and was like we should make a movie out of this and then was trying to learn how to make a movie as he was making this um yeah, yeah, yeah. which is why i think some of the technical aspects of it are a bit dicey 
But um, well, I think I think I also read that they oh, most of the money went in. It was shot on film, yeah, and most of the money went into the film, yeah. I'm sure. And I think that they actually the film is sixty eight minutes long, and they shot seventy minutes worth of film. Nice. So they really they <laughs> they got all their money's worth, well, like seventy eight and seventy eight and eighty yeah. or whatever. You know, what yeah, I mean? it's not a lot. But they, yeah, they they literally they only they did one take for pretty much every single scene yeah and you know the the acting's not bad um you don't really learn that much about the characters um but it's engaging it's engaging the yeah. whole way through you know it, it, it's 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 this is not the kind of movie i would normally enjoy because i i need a little bit more kind of human drama in in my movies and i really struggle to follow um non-linear plots or, or plots where that kind of ask you to do a little bit of work to follow them but i definitely found myself enjoying this yeah yeah it had it had a real sort of atmosphere to it didn't yeah. it i i think i think it had a real sort of creepy sort of atmosphere almost it was building and building and building and building yeah i think even shane Carruth had had like a part of the uh the, the score as well which was at times quite jarring actually oh. i thought i thought the score didn't <laughs> Can we talk know, about the ending? The ending credits song, like this, like this movie, yeah. like it, you know, it's, I, I never really noticed the score throughout the movie, to be honest. But then when this movie ends, I was like, the fuck, am I watching like a Matrix sequel? What's happened here? It like goes into some new metal in the uh, in the ending credits that felt totally out of place. Also, I, I do I do appreciate as well, like Shane Carruth, he's he's, he's a maverick. Let's just say. The credits have been done. Black screen, white text for a long, long time. He said, "You know what? Nope. Not me. No, no, I'm no. I'm gonna make mine. I'm gonna make mine look like a PowerPoint." Production. Yeah, oh, it looked absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. Like there were little te- there were text boxes on it. There's a weird logo of a film. We have to look at it. And yeah. Be like, I think that says Primer. I can't see where the M is, but I'm assuming it's <laughs> yeah. there somewhere. Um, it's great. I very. I was like, fair enough. Black, white text on a black screen. We've been there. I've seen that before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking- yeah. What we haven't seen, like, it literally looked like he opened up what would it be our powerpoint today yeah and selected one of the presets yeah, <laughs> yeah it's got like those little kind of like it's, it's like a gray background with slightly lighter shaded like gray circles in each of the corners just to keep you guessing and uh, i believe there was like a gif in there somewhere as well but uh, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. A, a hyperlink as well yeah, <laughs> yeah. to an mp3 um yeah. this is this is ryan johnson's according according to to him the best time travel movie ever made do you agree anthony i know you don't but let's discuss um, it. I, I don't agree. I, I think that I'd be hard pushed to think of a time travel movie with less errors. Or like I wouldn't even say there's many errors in this actually. I, I have to really watch it again, maybe, but on first glance, like watching it the first time, it didn't seem like there was too much error. Okay. Um but I'll get when we go into spoilers, I'll go into yeah. a bit more detail on that, to be honest with you, because there's one or two things I'd like to question. But um So I think that it seems to me, and I'm sure some of the commenters actually will tell us, uh, like, I'll have questions that they can answer for me, yeah. but it seems to me that it is maybe one of the most ac- accurately or most consistent time travel things put across. Having said that, it's definitely not the best time travel film. Um, I think that, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, you're going to say Back to the a, Future, aren't you? Like, that's, that's just going to no, be... No, 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 no. It fits a box, though. Let's just say that. Yeah. It fits a box, no pun intended. It fits a box that um, that if you want to watch a really sort of uh, indie, sort of well-made-for-the-budget, really accurate time travel film, yeah. this is the one. And maybe for some people that means it is the best one ever made. Well, but for yeah. me, I, I like... 
I like a bit of more razzmatazz in the yeah, film, yeah. to be honest with you. So, okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this one thing then and, we'll then, and then we'll get into it. So, uh, the reason I meant... I do like it, though, just to finish my non-spoiler yeah, part. I yeah. do like... I, I love it. I actually thought it was great. Cool, yeah. No, I, I, think, I think I'm definitely in a similar mindset to you. Uh, but yeah, obviously, Ryan Johnson... He directed Star Wars. He directed Looper. He really loves this movie. Apparently, uh, he gave uh, Shankarath a copy of the script of Looper to read, and uh, he told Johnson that his time travel didn't make sense, which I find very funny. Um, <laughs> which is true, and I've made a video about yes, that. Yes, you but have. I say, <laughs> but but I but I will say I will say, if you said said to me I have one one film to watch and then I'm gonna die, I choose to watch. Looper. Yeah, Looper is a more fun movie than this. Yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. fair to say. But okay, so let's let's talk spoilers then. So spoiler warning um, ahead for anyone who would like to go and watch this movie um we're going to get into it now so uh I'll, I'll just briefly outline the plot as it exists and then we can get into some some of the more spoilerific elements of it so basically this this movie tells the story of uh two engineer scientist type guys called abe and aaron who are working away with another two engineers trying to kind of make some money in in like a in like their garage basically trying to sell patents and it seems that I, correct me if I'm wrong here, Anthony, but it seems to me that they're trying to create some kind of refrigeration system to create ice or something, um, based on based on a, a brief interchange with Aaron's wife and them talking about. I think cooling that's something. where it started. I think that's where it started, and then they re- then they actually found out that they could change like the matter of al they can actually make things like uh, have gravity affect things less. Yeah. Like they were making things way less yeah. uh, as well, so they were sort of dabbling with gravity yeah. too but they basically they get into uh they, they stumble across something which appears to change like the state of matter uh in this kind of box uh and uh and then uh, they investigate it a bit more find out oh it's actually sending these things back in time which is why it, or, or well i guess actually back and forth yeah, but yeah. forward in time initially because they put something that develops some algae uh they put the put like this, i don't know what it is argon or something they put in it and then they take it to be investigated and the person who checks it says this amount of algae would have taken taken five years to to, yeah. to to develop and it's been in there for a few days um and then I thought that, was, that was i thought that was a pretty cool way for them to realize that yeah. they were sending something yeah i was i was 100 with the movie there and I, you know i'm i'm the kind of person who does struggle sometimes with really complex uh like kind of sciencey schmiancy narratives and i was <laughs> i was really with the narrative right up until the point where they start where they themselves start going back in time and they start that they, they start having like the kind of um narrator voices talking about uh paradoxes and causality and stuff um you're you're more in so i mean that's eventually where the movie goes they themselves start going back in time to try and do different things first to yeah. manipulate stocks and shares then they find out that maybe there's something that's gone on at a party that they need to stop um and um yeah they also find out that uh that a character called rachel's father w- was clean shaven now he has three five four days of growth yeah. so therefore they're like hang on he's going to travel through time that means yeah did you tell him i didn't tell him. i'm not going to tell him are you going to tell yeah. him you know it turns into this whole thing yeah it, it becomes it becomes this really interesting kind of like character drama between these two people as they're trying to figure out like what they've actually done already um but but Anthony, so you're you're more of a fan of the kind of hard science aspect of, mm. of um, time travel than I am. So did you, did you, did you kind of get into that from this movie? I did. I, 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 I did actually really enjoy the idea. Like see whenever I think like there's a couple of decisions in this film, which really are why like nerds like me probably think like, Oh my God, that's really cool. Cause they, they did, they did something I would have done. Okay. Like for example, whenever they're planning on going through time, they go and lock themselves in a hotel 
and like stay there all day just so when they go back they don't have a chance of running into themselves yeah i thought that was a little detail that i really love them doing to be honest with you um so there was lots of little details like that uh that that i really really enjoyed um so yeah i was i was long for the ride and I, i liked that it ramped up in terms of complexity um it wasn't it didn't actually get too complex that I didn't follow it. I, I sort of understood what was going on. I think whenever the time it, it starts shifting, like the actual timelines are changing. Yeah. I think they actually like they start like sort of confirming that things are changing in new timelines. Like they're creating new <clears throat> timelines every yeah. time they go back. It it starts to get quite complicated, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and it is, and it took a lot of mental power to stay with it the first time through. Um, but I think I think I enjoyed it. I think I think there wasn't there wasn't really an emotional crescendo in in, in the film no really... i think that's a budgetary constraint more than yeah because they, they introduced this idea of uh rachel a character who i think they just know her right they're not actually romantically involved with her in any way i, I actually don't think rachel is the partner of aaron no, i don't think that's no. um, the character. i think she's just a separate character they know but but um robert is another character who's kind of named and really just exists as a as a plot device not really an important character but he's throwing a party and we find out that rachel's ex-boyfriend turns up at this party with a shotgun um we don't know why um but that's kind of the dramatic crescendo the movie is heading towards like we need to stop this from happening because i guess the implication is that something bad could potentially happen if if if, if we if we allow this to continue and i think there is definitely a budgetary constraint there where it's like we don't really see any. We don't, I, well, I think it's it's partially a budgetary constraint. I think the writing kind of lets it down because we hear about this this event happening before we actually see it happening on screen because it's unfolded uh, prior to the characters going back and seeing it. Um, and the way it's described is just a p- couple of people saying, "Oh, wow, that was crazy," rather than it being like maybe I don't know a character was killed or something like that. You know, there's not re- it doesn't really set up a threat for that. Um, it's just kind mm. of like so it doesn't really seem like something that they need to go back and fix um and then obviously the budgetary constraint of they can't have a big like shootout at a, at a party because they just don't have the budget for it um so i i think to a certain extent i didn't really get that sense of um of urgency but at the same time uh, i think it i think it did still work i definitely felt the pace increasing as the, as the yeah. movie went on I also like like a lot of films, like we talked about uh, Quiet Place 2 last week, how they, they set up everything and it always paid off. In this, they set up things that you actually don't know were paid off, but they were. Yeah. So, for example, like the sound of the rats in the attic, like yeah. th- that's basically because whatever they, at the end, they were coming back in time and like changing timelines. They were like tying former like other versions of yeah, themselves who are unwilling them. like drugging them yeah. and then putting them in the, putting them in the attic to, to yeah keep them from I, I thought involved. that was really cool yeah um i do, i do see one of the things i question i'm not going to get fully into it now because i need to watch it again flesh it out and maybe make a video on it there's one or two things which i do question and i would love answers to them because i would love this film to have no time travel questions at all mm. one thing i do question is that if my understanding is correct and they start changing things and technically new timelines are being created in my mind maybe this is why i need i need this i need to watch it again or i need clarification but a question i have is why can you hear the rats in the attic which are the other Aaron in the attic in the original timeline bef- like before they even create well, I think the, uh... so. That's so. I actually think I have an answer to that, and I'm. This is unprecedented okay. for me because I'm normally yeah. way behind on this. But I think because we experience this narrative from Abe's point of view, 
by the time mm. that he is hearing about the rats in the by the time he and by extension us the audience are hearing about the rats in the attic aaron has already gone back and and changed uh and started changing things through with the fail but that, that, that that's yeah that's but that means that our uh, abe sorry had already created the fail safe by the point they had the conversation about the rats. Yes. Which which is okay, that's fair. Because enough, yeah, I mean, because Aaron might... brings the failsafe back with him. So like it's kind of Well the Aaron brings uh, a second failsafe back with him through the first failsafe, sets it up so that Abe, who's going through the failsafe that he thinks is the real failsafe, but it's not, it's actually Aaron's second failsafe. Oh, yeah doesn't actually be in the box at the same time as Aaron going back with the failsafe. So, um. so listen, I, 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 that's a very natural segue into the fact that I, so I did not follow a lot of what was going on in the time travel of this movie. Um, it's weird. I was, what I, I, so about, I'm, I'm going to say about 40 minutes into this movie, I started getting Moneyball vibes, which I think we mentioned briefly on this podcast a few okay. weeks ago, because I do like Moneyball. I like no, it. But but in the sense that, like, I don't know anything about baseball. I find the scoring system bizarre. I don't really understand how, how, I mean, I kind of I get how you score points in baseball, but like, there's so many like numbers and stats to consider in baseball. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't understand any of this. And yet, when I watch Moneyball, even though it's full of that stuff, I understand the kind of general thrust of a lot of the narrative points because the movie does a really good job of saying, "Listen, you might not understand the nuts and bolts of this, but you get the general gist of where we're driving." And I think this movie does that as well. So I, I, there's there's a point in this movie where they see Abe's character for the first time abe's double rather for the first time they're sitting outside a, a storage um storage lot and d- discussing where they can move the box or the machine to because they can't keep yeah. it in their garage anymore and and abe is clear oh. it turns out has brought aaron here to witness his double so that he can essentially prove that he has discovered time travel um yeah. and from that point on i just kind of had to be like right okay i'm just gonna go with this i'm just gonna be in for the ride and i think that's where i'd probably mark the movie down a little bit purely as a matter of taste because i i was kind of like i'm trying to follow these things and i feel like i'm following the general flow mm-hmm. of this plot but the intricacies of it i'm like i'm just when they're like, we're going this way and this guy, and then he's taking the failsafe through this machine, I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust that this is right. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, that, that makes sense to me. Like, the basically, it all... I'm not going to sit here and try and teach you at all, but I... <laughs> no, do. Do that. Let's yeah. <laughs> okay. sit here okay. for two hours. So, so it, it actually all hinges around this idea of the A to the B, right? So you could only go... if you go, The A and B is like the A is the starting point of the machine being turned on yep. and B is the ending point of the machine being turned off, basically. Sure. And, and you can only go from A to B or from B to A. You can only travel to the beginning or the end of, of, of the machine being turned on. Yeah. So the thing is, with the failsafe, Abe set this up at the very beginning just in case, before, they even, before he even went through the first time. He set that up, what that one up first. So just in case, and he turned it on and left it on the whole time. Oh, so, so he needs just, to go right back to the. Just in case he needs to go. Just right in back case to the he needs to go yeah. right back to the beginning and reset everything. That's what he yeah. did. Now what Aaron did is what Abe didn't realize is Aaron figured out that the failsafe existed, and he took another box with him, in the failsafe, and then when he got to the back to the, to the point A at the very beginning of everything, he took the box, the flat pack box out, set it up again. And he moved the original failsafe away. And then the the new box he put in was like the second failsafe. Because obviously he can't keep the same box there because Abe would have been in the box the same time as him yeah. if he tried to go back. Yeah. Now that's one of my points of contention. Because if he moves the failsafe box 
after he gets out, he moves the original failsafe box. Then how is the person? How is him in the future going to get into it? Yeah, that's that's a question that I have. There's a couple of things like that. There's also a, a overall question like when you're exiting the box. Surely that means like say you're halfway out of the box. Surely that means your head and your shoulders are moving forward in time, <laughs> yeah. but your legs are moving backwards in time. Yeah. Like it doesn't. There's the certain aspects of it which I'm like, okay, maybe this is the closest we're gonna get to like a perfectly consistent time travel thing. But there's still some things I need clarification on. Mm. Otherwise, I'm going to make a video saying why it didn't work. I mean, I'm, I'd be fascinated to see it to be honest, because I, I while I think by design uh, the the time travel elements of this are messy. Um, and and that is a kind of a barrier to entry for like dumbasses like me who are just like I just want to see some dinosaurs eating guys. Come on, <laughs> yeah, uh, all the way. <laughs> yeah, send them back to Jurassic Park um, <laughs> or the Cretaceous period or whenever they. You know, I, I'm not I'm not fussy. It can be a it can be a Stegosaurus. Um, but but um, yeah, I'd, I'd be really fascinated to see what our listeners and what you come up with. People who are more like kind of science minded than I am because I. I just had to operate on faith for a lot of this. And and, and it's, it's funny, there are little kind of like morsels thrown into this, which, you know, I, I will say for someone who doesn't, uh, by all accounts, didn't really know how to make a movie, assume presumably didn't really know how to write a movie. There's little kind of morsels thrown in for people like me in the screenplay, uh, which it, one you've alluded to already, where, um, where they're sitting around having, where they're about, They've travelled a few times at this point, and uh, and Shane Carruth's character Aaron says, "Man, are you hungry? I haven't eaten since later this afternoon." And I was like, "Ah, <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch! You've got me!" <laughs> like, uh, it was just—it's a real—it's—it's it's right on the edge of being stupid. That line, but I—I I was like, "Okay, no, I'm—I enjoy, enjoyed that, and it was enough to—it was enough to hook me back in." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's, yeah, there's a yeah, few of those. Was very close, very close. Yeah. Let's be honest, to being stupid. But I mean, how, I guess how else would you? It, 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 I see what they're trying to do with that line, where they're trying to kind of uh, hammer home the kind of routineness of time travel that these guys have uh, have settled into now. And I guess what would you say if you if you did eat later earlier in the day, or you did eat yesterday evening, but yesterday evening is actually the evening of the day that you're currently in because you've travelled. Yeah, I could just about buy it. I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I feel like there are there's probably some physicists out there who are like that's not how that works at all. Like <laughs> you don't. It's still yesterday. I, I think I think you probably would. To be honest with you, I'm going to be completely honest. I think probably what people will say I didn't I haven't eaten since we, before we got in the box. Yes, sure. That would be yeah. You don't need to. You don't need to speak in generalities when 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 time travel is involved. <laughs> like, also, I love I love I love the ear bleeding. Yeah. So, um, what did you make of the ear bleeding? Like that was that was a question I was going to ask you. Um, I think well, well, obviously it means I think it was implying that there was some sort of uh, effect on their body. But did you think it was tied to? doing something in the past or was it just oh they keep traveling eventually their bodies are going to break down that's what i thought it was okay like i i don't i don't think uh it was like changing his body based okay. on something that happened or whatever yeah i think it was actually that he it, i think it was implying and even because it was a an ear bleed it might have also been implying that they were they from the, that point on like you couldn't trust the soundness of their mind either you yeah. know yeah, well, and I th- and I think that that is something they try to arrive at. So, like this movie concludes basically with Abe's fate largely unknown. I mean, you know, he's alive, but but we don't really know what happened to him. And Aaron having gone to some kind of foreign country, we see an airport, and then we see him standing next to a man speaking French. Um, it's not the most convincing of like 
<laughs> of of uh, of kind of setups for him having left the country because it's like it just seems like a French speaking guy in the same place that you were before to yeah. be honest. But um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So it, it it's um th- this idea that you know maybe they have. I don't know if it ever gets into like kind of unreliable narrator territory, but it certainly suggests that these two people have been forever changed, perhaps compromised by the experiences mm-hmm. that they've that they've gone through here. Um but that's it that's interesting that you just thought it was it was just their bodies breaking down um over time having used the machines, because I, I was a bit like, oh, does that signify something in particular has changed? Um Potentially, potentially. I, I, I maybe on a second watch. See that's what I that's what I mean, like I think there's some stuff which you'll catch on a second watch which you didn't get the first time around. Yeah. Like I think, I think the conversation about the rats being in the attic, in my memory, that was before the failsafe would have even been created. That was awesome. before they even figured out about the watch going back and forth. Having said that, if we we'll rewatch it, maybe I'm completely wrong about that. I, um, I, so... I also think like a person doesn't sound like rats. Like you could you could shout. <laughs> <laughs> like... Yeah, like the whole timeline aspect there too. Yeah. Maybe they were just rats. But the whole, the whole, the yeah. whole timeline aspect there too. It's like implying that they're new timelines, but they're still operating within. The, it's it's interesting that I need to think about. More. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the kind of movie where I watched it and I was immediately like, I should really watch this again before we do this recording because I feel like each time I watch this, I'm gonna have a better understanding of what's mm-hmm. actually happened in it. And and I, you know, I, I wouldn't have disliked the experience of watching this movie again. I think it's um, as I say, it's very. It's very messy. Uh, technically, it's not that great, but there's there's still something to it. Like it's still very compelling to watch. Um, it, if it was two and a half hours long, no one would watch it. Yeah, I think that's true as well. I think I think um, you know I've seen a lot of kind of like debut indie filmmakers make like two and a half hour movies that are just like oh for fuck's sake like get to the point and whereas whereas this is almost the opposite of that where it's like you know what like we Shankarov is interested in the science. He's interested in the physics of it that's what we're going to focus on and we're just going to rifle through that stuff really quickly and mm-hmm. it's going to be overwhelming for someone like me who doesn't really understand it but it's always going to be compelling and i'd much rather a movie do that and end up with i think this is 82 minutes long this movie um might be slightly less than that um but i'd much rather a mo- 70, 77 77 okay but i'd much rather a movie do that than the alternative where it kind of massively overstays its welcome um mm-hmm. <laughs> which yeah i was i was very appreciative of but i think um i'm like would you recommend it generally speaking i think i get the sense that you probably would yeah definitely i think i would recommend it um if you're the type <coughs> of person who likes sort of more mind-bending sci-fi stuff definitely this is something to check out if you're someone who likes watching sort of films made by one person like who just wants to f- fulfill their vision this is also a good one to check out um yeah i think i would recommend it awesome okay yeah well i, I think i agree with you i think you know, it, it it lost me a little bit in places, but but that's not the movie's fault. That's because I'm uneducated, um, and I think that is going to do it for us on uh, on Prime discussion. You know what? I'm not going to talk about Batman Forever today. I thought about it for a second there, and I was like, no, I can't be bothered. Like it's no, no one like there's nothing to say about Batman Forever after we've just had that discussion about time travel physics, except to say that Batman would definitely perform oral sex on. Catwoman. That's a very horny movie. Is 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 what I'm going to say. Um, Which side of Tommy Lee Jones would probably uh, probably the the scarred side? Yeah, yeah. The the the. Mm, 
Yeah, probably the scarred side. Like, I, I, is that the is that the nipple back nipple one? That is. I, so uh, interesting enough, I said at the beginning, someone asked the question um, that I was watching it with said, "Oh, is this the nipple Batman suit?" And I was like, "No, I think that's Batman and Robin." But blow me down. This one's got this one's got nipples in it as well, and it it also has Chris O'Donnell being just the worst actor I've ever oh, seen in my yes. life. Chris O'Donnell, my word! But, but his family, Conrad, his family. There's uh, the bit where wonderful. the bit where he's putting his washing away, doing like karate, and the soundtrack is like <laughs> every time he does like a backflip and puts some jeans on the washing line. I remember watching that when this movie came out in '95, so I'd have been like eight years old, and I remember watching that and being like. This is the coolest shit I've ever seen. And I watched it now, I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, who are you trying to impress here? Like, the only is one there Batman, is Alfred. Is it, is it Batman and Robin the one where then they get Batgirl? Alicia yeah, Silverstone? Alicia Silverstone is uh, ba- a Batman and Robin. Um, and, um, yeah, you've got, like, Dr. Freeze. Mr. And, yeah, um, Dr. Freeze, yeah, Dr. Yeah. Freeze, I can't remember what his name is now. It might be Mr. Freeze, actually. Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And, uh, and um, Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy. Oh, Whereas this yeah. one is a career zenith i'm gonna say jim carrey playing the riddler and um boy howdy does he play the like he just it seems like someone was like okay just do what you did in ace ventura when nature calls and and we'll we'll figure out the plot around it and he he just has no filter and it's i i really liked it when i was a kid because i really liked jim carrey when i was a kid and unfortunately i think i might have grown out of his kind of brand of comedy a little bit because it's been a long time since i watched ace ventura or dumb and dumber uh both movies i very much liked as a child and um if this is any indicate and any any indication any indication um <laughs> yeah jim carrey just don't do it for me no more I think I think Ace Ventura still would. Like, yeah. Even when you go sour off someone, there's always the one or two that are okay. I still laugh at the thought of the uh, the bit in uh, when nature calls, where they do the slinky down the temple steps, and he's just like everyone loves the slinky. <laughs> yeah. slinky. This is incredible. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's that is still really funny. Um, well, I just love whenever he uh, I just love whenever he parks the car. He like flips it over and like slams it in. And goes like a glove. <laughs> yeah, that's very funny as well. And then just like and, and then he opens the door and just like hammers it into the car next to it, <laughs> having landed it perfectly. Uh, yeah. yeah, good, 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 clean fun. Um, maybe maybe we'll maybe we'll do those moves as well. We'll add them to the list. We'll do a John Wick watchathon to for one of these, and then we'll do a, an Ace Ventura watchathon <laughs> for one of yeah, these. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Okay. Well, I think. We got we got some Batman Forever chat in there, so there you go. Yeah. If you're a Batman fan, um, enjoy. Uh, <laughs> but I think that's going to do it for us here on on the uh, the best movie podcast ever, which is going to leave us with one simple question to answer, as we always do, which is Anthony, what is your favourite movie? Looper. <laughs> that's a good shout. Uh, I thought about putting Looper. I'm going to say Batman Forever for this week because <laughs> sorry, Primer. I did I did enjoy Primer, but I think Primer is a better movie than Batman Forever, but I think I probably enjoyed Batman Forever more. More my speed. Yeah, no, I, I'm interested. I'm interested interested to see like the the, the diehard Primer fans in the comments whether they are insulted by what I've said uh, or whether they if they agree with me. Um, I did I did really like the film. Um, I think we can all agree though it isn't uh, the most fun film to watch. Yeah. But, um, well, yeah, let's see what they say. Um, yep. Thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Iscariot for the use of our theme song. You can find a link down t- to their stuff in the thing below. And thank you to you for joining us. Uh, please consider subscribing. Uh, we are the best movie podcast ever on podcasting apps uh, or Culture Cave on YouTube, if that is your preferred method of consumption. And uh, 
get involved in the comments and give the show a like it really does help and um, we will see you same time same place next week cut